Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Now on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? He asked them, what things? They replied, the things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women have said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, oh, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on, but they urged him strongly saying, stay with us, because it is almost evening and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour, they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, the Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. So we are now in our sixth, uh, maybe it's seventh or eighth, I don't even know anymore, a week of sheltering in place. And I don't know about you, but I have been feeling kind of raw, um, especially more recently. I think as um, this sort of stretches out and it's hard to see the end in sight. Um, and so I've, I've found that when I'm um, just quiet enough and still enough to kind of try to get in touch with how I'm feeling that I often find like tears are very near the surface. I don't know if anybody else is feeling that way or maybe you feel like you haven't been able to even catch your breath enough. Um, but 
but that's how I'm feeling this morning. And so um, even when as I was trying to write my sermon, I was having difficulty um, forming coherent thoughts even. And um, one thing as a preacher um, that I think a lot of preachers, uh, a lot of us struggle with is that we want every word to be perfect. We want to be eloquent, concise. Um, we want to be um, compelling and keep your attention. And um, I was having a, a kind of a rough time with that this week. Um, and so I thought this morning um, that I could uh, sort of let go of that expectation for myself and maybe you too, and just sort of share from the heart um, the ways in which I felt like God was speaking to me as I was meditating on this passage uh, this morning. So I may be a little bit incoherent, but hopefully something clear will come through. Um, I felt really grateful for this passage about the road to Emmaus and this journey that these two disciples are on. Uh, we just celebrated Hobbit Week, as many of you know. And if you saw any of um, our videos, they're really hilarious, you know, just pictures, really cute and hilarious. And I, there were some people who actually thought that I was becoming unhinged because <laughs> I clearly needed to have some fun this week. And, um, and part of what I love about that, those stories is that it's about this journey. And it's not just any journey, um, but it's a journey of transformation where, you know, you see this simple, fun-loving hobbit that just wants to be safe in the Shire and, and live his life with his friends and family. And he goes on this epic quest that just transforms him, where he encounters unimaginable suffering, where he, has, where he has to face his fears, where he doesn't know the pathway ahead. And... The Frodo at the beginning of that story and the Frodo at the end of that story are, are different. And in a similar sort of way, um, these two disciples are on a road, they're on a journey between Jerusalem and Emmaus. And what we see in this story is that um, the disciples that they were when they started out were not the ones that, that they were by the end of the story. And there were two things that kind of struck me about this stranger, Jesus, like we as the readers have that sight to know that it's Jesus, but they didn't know that it was Jesus at that time. And there were two things that struck to me about how Jesus comes to them, um, how he comes to you and to me as we are on this journey where we don't necessarily know what's coming ahead. And yet there's a deeply transformative work that God wants to do in us in this season. So the first thing that struck me is that Jesus comes to us in truth. Jesus comes to us in truth. So the thing that I find funny about this passage is that um, Jesus is asking them these questions that he already knows the answer to, right? He says, um, so what are you discussing? Well, he knows what they are discussing. And then when Clopas says to him, you know, are you the only person in Jerusalem who doesn't know these things that have taken place? And Jesus very innocently responds, what things? He knows what things. He died. That's what happened. And he knows that that's true. And so, you know, I was, it was reminding me of, um, of Mary Magdalene. Similarly, when Mary's at the tomb weeping, he shows up to her and he asks her, woman, why are you weeping? And similarly, he knows why she's weeping. But I think the reason why Jesus asks those questions is that even though he already knows, he wants us to know and he wants us to name what is there under the surface? What is the grief that is present? Why are we grieving? 
What are the fears we have? Why are we afraid? And to just name it. And as he does this with these two disciples, we see that he's able to draw things out from them, their sadness, their grief, their disappointment, that he wasn't who he thought they thought he was going to be, their confusion about it. And to recognize it, to name it to him and with him. So one of the things that they named is they had said that we had hoped, you know, we had hoped that he was the one, the Messiah who would redeem Israel. And as I was reflecting on this passage, it made me think to myself, like, how would I have ended that sentence? You know, we had hoped, dot, dot, dot. You know, I had hoped. You know, maybe for some of you, it's, you know, I had hoped that I would be able to graduate with my friends this June. And I had hoped that I would be able to celebrate my marriage with my loved ones. I had hoped that I could be at the bedside of my mother as she died. I had hoped, you know, what is that dot, dot, dot? I was thinking for myself, for St. Peter's, you know, we just got started, it feels like, and started to get some, some momentum and then suddenly this happened. And I had to lay out all of my hopes and fears too this week to Jesus and say, you know, I, I had hoped that we could really rally and, you know, become this, this growing healthy community. I had hoped that we could raise all this money so we can restore our buildings. I had hoped for all these things. Um, and who knows, you know, maybe those hopes will happen, um, but we don't know. And it's so important to be able to name the emotions that we are feeling and experienced to Jesus with Jesus. I'm gonna ask Mitch to um, just put up this slide with these four questions. And these four questions are things that I think can help us um, during this season that I think are important for us to name. And it's essentially, you know, what are you sad about? You know, a lot of times we don't like to feel sadness and um, just to ask ourselves, what am I feeling sad about today? And to not compare your sadness to other people's sadness. You know, maybe it's something that feels really small and stupid and minute and insignificant, but it doesn't matter. You know, Jesus wants to hear about that sadness. You know, what are you afraid of? You know, what are those fears, you know, that I know for me, a lot of times my fears drive me towards more activity and trying to do things and plan things. Like I'm afraid, like if I don't do X, Y, and Z, maybe our church is going to fall apart. You know, I think things like that. You know, what are you angry or frustrated about right now um, to name that? And of course, I think it's important too to name, you know, what are you grateful for? Um, to remind ourselves of the good things and the good gifts so they don't get subsumed in our sadness and our anger and our fear. We can um, move the slide. Um, but, you know, I give you those four questions just as a way to help you reflect during this time. Because what you wouldn't want to happen is to walk on this road with Jesus and to not speak in truth about what's, what's really going on under the surface. You know, I think it's not only that Jesus comes to truth, um, comes to us in truth about ourselves, but also about himself as well. So they said, you know, we had hoped that you would, that he would be the Messiah who would redeem Israel. And Jesus comes and says, um, he says, actually, something that you would think is, is not that comforting. He says, what is it? Oh, how foolish you are and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. 
was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? It's kind of funny because that's sort of like what you wouldn't say to somebody when they're grieving about something. But in this specific instance, I think what Jesus is doing is he's, he's stripping away their illusions of what's not true, what's not true about him, and also what's not true about what they should be putting their hope in. They were putting their hope in this triumphant, mighty, strong Messiah who's going to just launch right into Jerusalem, kick out the Romans, and seat himself on the throne. And Jesus is saying, listen, in the scriptures again and again and again, it says, was it not necessary that the Messiah would have to suffer these things and then he'd enter into glory? That the way into triumph is not through military might and power, but it's through death and through weakness, through vulnerability. That is how our God will accomplish not just victory over Rome, but that greater victory over sin and death and the grave. And he's going to liberate you and wants to liberate you in ways that you never even dreamed of, far beyond your wildest dreams. And he wants the disciples to know that truth about him. And in a similar way, it made me think to myself, you know, maybe the hopes that I have in Jesus are too small. I'm hoping he'll do X, Y, and Z when he's so much bigger, so much greater, so much more powerful than I could even imagine. You know, so Jesus always comes to us in truth. And the second thing that struck me about this passage is that Jesus comes to us at our tables. He comes to us at our tables. And you see here that the disciples, they urge Jesus to stay with them. And they say, stay with us because it is almost evening and the day is nearly over. And he goes in to stay with them. And then it says that when he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed it, broke it, and gave it to them. And then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. And they said to each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road and opening the scriptures to us? Now, one thing that Episcopalians love to do is they love to use this passage to talk about the Eucharist. And that's a fine application of this passage. But here's what's true. This was actually not the Eucharist. You know, this was not on the altar in some beautiful, humongous stone church like ours on 20th Street. This was at their dinner table. This was in their home and in the messiness of their home. There weren't beautiful vestments and incense and all that's the trappings of the Eucharist. It was just their literal dinner table. And um, what that made me think of is how Jesus comes into the very everyday mess and real life of our real lives. Um, I'm gonna ask Mitch to throw up this funny cartoon that one of uh, my priest colleagues uh, put on Facebook. His name is Jay Sidebottom. So you can see here's this, you have to take in this, this picture for a second, but here's this priest and it's, I feel like this oftentimes where here I am trying to lead us in worship. And what you don't see on the screen right now is that our ironing board is right in front of us with our fresh, with our laundry piled on top of it. There's like pillows on the ground. There's random things that are strewn about. And that this is real life. <laughs> this is real life. And um, Mitch, you can bring it back to bring it back to me. But maybe your dinner table is just strewn with all of your work stuff or your schoolwork. Maybe there is chaos as there's kids running around. You know, maybe you're alone at your dinner table. Um, 
whatever that table represents of your real life, like Jesus comes to you right there in the middle of that. Like yesterday, you know, I'm sure he won't mind me sharing this, but Jimmy and I were in like a big fight yesterday. And so we were eating our meal together in sullen silence. And that was just real. And Jesus is saying, I come to you, especially in those moments. Um, and when, uh, when it says um, evening is at hand and the day is almost over, it's like this beautiful picture of this, this in-between time. You know, one thing is ending and something else is just about to begin. And I often find that like times like dusk and, and daybreak, the dawn, are the most beautiful kind of vulnerable times you know, where one thing is passing and something and one thing is yet to come. And that feels like that's what it's like right now. Like we are in this sort of vulnerable moment, which what was is, is, is passing away. What is yet to come has yet to come to us. And we feel vulnerable right now. So what would it look like for you to invite Jesus to stay with you there? Well, one of the riches of our tradition is that we have actually a beautiful prayer that is based precisely on this particular passage. Um, I'm going to ask Mitch to put that verse up right now. It's called a collect for the presence of Christ. And it says, Lord Jesus, stay with us for evening is at hand and the day is past. Be our companion in the way. Kindle our hearts and awaken hope that we may know you as you are revealed in the breaking of the bread. Grant this for the sake of your love. Amen. And so I just leave you um, with these two um, just tools to invite Jesus to be with you on the road in this time. You remember that Jesus always comes to us in truth the truth about ourselves and the truth about who he is and that Jesus comes to us at our tables into our real lives. And I commend to you these two practices. You know, maybe it's just taking one of those questions. Um, maybe it's at dinner time actually saying that prayer um, together with your family or by yourself and invite Jesus to be with you. Amen.